gone live a little early on YouTube for our YouTube fans. We want to get more YouTube fans. We love uh, we love our fans on other media, but uh, we certainly would love to get more YouTube fans. If there's anybody out there who wants to do that, uh, right now you're the only way you're going to hear this is later if you download this. I kind of get that. So, uh, but if you're watching this later uh, in a download or you're watching it on YouTube, then um, let me highly suggest that you um, uh, let me highly suggest that you uh, yes go uh, and subscribe to the channel and watch us on YouTube. Although we love Facebook Live. And that is the main way that we um, connect with people as far as being able to talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. We'll be able to do that soon on YouTube as well. Matter of fact, if my eyes were a little better, then I could read from here. But uh, they're not. All right. And in three, in two, in one. And uh, good, after, good, good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all persuasions. Welcome to... Living on a Thin Line uh, is uh, with me, Tony Visick. We come to you every day at 2 p.m., Monday through Friday and Sunday, except for Saturdays. On Saturdays, uh, we come to you Saturday night at 7 o'clock. We call it the uh, Saturday Night Special Comedy Jubilee. The main difference between this show and the 2 p.m. show is that I am uh, wearing a jacket. That is the uh, main thing. Uh, when you come on, if you wave, I'll say hi, hello, Stefan, hello, Nancy, hello, Joe, hello, Gerson, uh, Gerson Blanco, uh, hello, everybody, uh, and welcome to the show. It's Saturday night. This is, uh, which episode is this, Shirley, do we know? It is, what's that? Episode 26. We have now done this 26 days in a row. It is something that uh, we decided to start doing uh, once the crisis hit a very um, talented and wonderful man named uh, Jim Lacey whom I met strictly through uh, social media, but I've now talked to on the phone, said, Tony, you should do this every day. Uh, it will uh, help people. And I don't know if it helps anyone, but it does help me. But I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, here's how the show kind of lays out. Primarily, if someone's watching on Facebook Live and they have a question, uh, I will answer that question. Or uh, if they want to have a conversation, uh, then I will... Uh, uh, Kevin Brown will, ooh boy, thin line time. Uh, then I will answer it. I decided since it was uh, Saturday night that I would dress up, that I'd put on a jacket just for silliness. Um, we're going to tell some jokes. What I usually do is I have in here in my room, in my home office. So at one time, when I built this house in 2005, 2006, I didn't build it. I didn't do the hammering. I didn't do the carpentering. I didn't do the plumbing. Uh, but, I, you know, I bought the house and they built it. Or he built, I went out and bought a plot of land. They built a house on it. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for the compliment on my uh, jacket. Uh, thank you very much to Gerson. Um, when uh, I actually had a home in Los Angeles, too, and I had a theater in Scottsdale. And then when the economic crisis hit in 2008, the only thing I had left was this house, and I had to move everything from those two buildings, the condo in Los Angeles and the theater in Scottsdale, into this house. And this house is packed with memorabilia and goofy and useless stuff that means something mostly to me. I don't like this shot. It's crooked for some reason, and I don't know why. Let me, if I move it here, is, is it where I'm sitting? Guys, can you tell? There, that's good. Now we got a nice shot. We got a nice shot right now. It's a little sideways, but what the hell? Jerry is watching. His girlfriend, Lily, is watching. So this house, this room, 
And I was here by myself and stuff was displayed all over the place. Subsequently, and very fortunately, I met my wife, Shirley, and then she moved her stuff in. So then we had, the, we had stuff from three other residences uh, besides this house all packed in here. And it is packed and stuffed with memorabilia and goofiness and oddities and knickknacks and pipes and potions and papers from various uh, decades of our life, along with a ton of music. So the way we've conducted, we, the way we've kind of uh, created this show is that we, um, I don't like the ceiling in that shot, but you know, what can I do? The shot on YouTube looks great if you happen to pull up YouTube. Um, but anyway, uh, so the way we constructed this show so that I'd have something, Gerson Blanco says, what's your most famous piece of memorabilia? That'd be hard to say, Gerson, because I've got um, autographs from Stan Musial, the great baseball player. I've got uh, autographs from uh, uh, rock bands, like from Duran Duran. Um, I don't know. I've got so much stuff in here. A lot of it is, like I said, memorabilia, kind of goofy stuff. Uh, I'd have to look around. Uh, I'd say uh, a Jerry Rice. I've got a Jerry Rice autograph. I have a Kurt Warner autograph. So uh, that might, uh, that's right, Stan the Man. So those might qualify. So the way we've constructed the show is that we'll talk with you on Facebook Live uh, if you post something up to the best that we can. Vince Ramirez is watching. You talk about a guy who is not only talented, but has a lot of great memorabilia. Uh, my uh, son-in-law, Vince Ramirez, and uh, one of the best drummers I've ever heard. The man can keep a beat. He's got a rhythm. It's a backstreet rhythm. Uh, so we talk about a piece of memorabilia, and then I show you uh, two pieces of vinyl. Sully's watching. Hello, Sully. Sully is our grandson, and tell him that we said, uh, uh, that we said uh, uh, Happy Easter. Happy Easter, and that we will be FaceTiming with him and all of you tomorrow. Sullivan Ramirez, uh, my, uh, my very best pal. Love you, buddy. Uh, Jerry, my brother Jerry pointed out that I have a Mick Fleetwood autograph from Fleetwood Mac, which my brother Jerry got for me because I believe his daughter and their daughter was either at the same school or same soccer team in uh, the western part of the San Fernando Valley. And then um, Jerry actually went up to Mick Fleetwood and said, hey, my brother collects autographs. Would you mind? And got me his autograph. I'll show that <clears throat> sometime this week. Um, Paul Whitty says, Stan the Man is such a sexist nickname. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for your uh, valuable input uh, into the conversation. Um, anyway, we show you a piece of memorabilia. The piece of memorabilia I'm going to show you tonight is somewhat recent but uh, significant to me. We talk about that. And then I've got tons of vinyl records in here. Some of them are going back to when I was uh, in junior high school uh, and going up until sometime, I guess, in the, um, what, when did we stop buying vinyl and start buying CDs? Uh, that would be sometime in the 80s. Yeah, sometime in the 80s. Uh, Jay Patrick Miller loves the jacket. Thank you very much, sir. It is a cool jacket, isn't it? Uh, listen. We are uh, on lockdown. I, mean, I, I know there's people on the road. I know there's people going places, going to the store. You're do, some people are doing different things, but primarily we're on lockdown. So we have to find uh, ways to keep ourselves entertained in our house. Have a night where you dress up, okay? Have a night where if you're a married couple, she makes dinner and then you make dinner. Find ways to, uh, um, uh, my wife is watching, but she, she's sitting right over there. So that's cool. Coy Johnson is watching. So I thought on Saturday night, I'd start wearing, I've got a, um, hi, Nana from Sully. Sully says, hello. So I got my grandson on here watching. He says, hi to Nana. And we're, gonna, we're going to uh, FaceTime or Zoom with you guys tomorrow on Easter, and we can't wait to see your faces. Uh, you got to find things to do. That's one of the reasons why I'm pulling out old albums, 
Last night, I listened to a bunch of my old albums while doing paperwork, and I've been showing them to you and talking about them uh, for the past few weeks because um, uh, there's two reasons. One, it might be music that you loved at one time in your life and have forgotten, or it might be music that you never explored, or it might be music that you never heard of. And because we have YouTube and we have Google, uh, even though you won't be able to have the record that I show you, the vinyl, uh, you'll be able to download and listen, our YouTube and listen, and you might discover something new. We got to keep discovering new things. Right now, it is, as uh, uh, the great uh, French novelist Marcel Proust said, that the greatest journey is not in searching out new landscapes, but in having new eyes. We got to look at the world that we have with new eyes. And so that's what I'm doing. So many things laying around here that I've just forgotten about. And I go, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. So uh, that's kind of how we are constructing the uh, show along with your comments and conversations and uh, funny stories from the past. Um, first piece of memorabilia I'm going to show you. Hello, Johnny Moss. I hope you're feeling better. I know you were in the hospital, sir. Uh, Non-COVID um, uh, non related, but I know you were there and I hope that you are recovering fully here's our first piece of memorabilia you see that and you see that they're on youtube i'll show it to you again on facebook live there it is it is a playbill and i know that on facebook live it's a mirror so it's backwards so uh but it's not i believe on youtube so uh that is a playbill from the play hamilton hamilton so uh last year right around this time uh, actually, last year in March, uh, Shirley and I were in New York City. I had a group of performers performing at Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, and I was able to score Hamilton tickets. Uh, I'll tell you the story on that. I was writing with a group of writers in Los Angeles on a volunteer project, a uh, social political project, and um, uh, I felt honored that uh, some of them were pretty, uh, had been pretty uh, successful in the field of television primarily, some in the field of theater, and we were writing um, things for uh, various politicians and uh, uh, social critics, and every week I was the one who had the most uh, lines that were then uh, sent out through uh, their various, uh, uh, their various uh, avenues of sending this material out to individual politicians, to organizations, because I am a joke writer, and I write short, pithy, strong, powerful jokes. I then talk them to death, kind of like, uh, that's why I'm doing this show, but uh, one of them, I told him I was going to New York. And he goes, oh, if there's any shows you want to see, let me know. I might be able to hook you up with tickets. And I went, Hamilton? You know, I was kind of joking. He went, yeah, sure. Okay. And uh, so then I, I called him. Uh, when I was visiting with him in Los Angeles. Got back to Arizona. I called him. And he said, okay, here's the deal. I need your credit card number. He goes, I won't know and you won't know. But all of a sudden, if you see a bill, you'll get a bill and you'll get an email, you'll get an email saying you got tickets. Lo and behold, I got a bill. It was, um, it was around 300 bucks, which is, you know, a lot of money. It is a lot of money, okay? But uh, they were for Hamilton tickets, and I went, wow. And what it was was this particular writer had the same agent as someone who was involved with the play. And there's something called house seats. And house seats are uh, as follows. Uh, people who are involved with the play, um, the actors in the play, uh, stage managers, etc., get X amount of tickets that they can give away or sell, okay? Same thing in sports. So um, we scored a couple of house seats. Well, we were going, to, and it was for a Sunday matinee. 
So we hit uh, we hit New York on a Wednesday, do our show on a Thursday. We do New York on Friday and Saturday, the museums, the restaurants and stuff. And Sunday afternoon, we go to the Richard Rogers Theater. Now, here's the interesting thing, and I think New York is a little different right now. But we were staying at a hotel on 42nd and 10th, and the Richard Rogers Theater is on, um, damn it, I don't have the exact address, but it's like on um, 46th and 7th, if anybody can... Um, if anybody actually knows, you can let me know. It's about 10 blocks. It's about a 12, 15-minute walk. As a matter of fact, I'd walked it the day before. Um, but we were dressed up, so we got an Uber, and it took us longer in the vehicle to get to the Richard Rogers Theater from our hotel to the theater than it would have uh, walking. So we get to the theater. We get in. We, you know, we get in line. We show our tickets. We get inside. And then um, we walk in, they go, go this way, this way, this way. And we're going, what? We keep getting closer and closer and closer. We end up in the third row for Hamilton on a Sunday matinee. Now, was Manuel Lindorega in it? No, he wasn't. The play's been running for years. But still, for Shirley and I, it was a real thrill to be in the third row at the Richard Rogers Theater Broadway show, okay, and be able to uh, witness this American phenomena known as Hamilton. So uh, we uh, kept the playbills, okay? And uh, it is a stunning and fun musical. Yeah, there's, uh, some, uh, there's some real kind of bending stuff on it. There are people who are playing uh, parts that are uh, outside their race. Uh, it, there's rap. But uh, it is a stunning, stunning piece of work. And we enjoyed it very much. And we'll always remember that. Uh, we were going to go back, um, like I said, in March. And there is a play that is based around some of the music of Bob Dylan, called Girl from the North Country, and we were planning on seeing that. And I'll tell you what. I will tell you what, okay? Um, we will go to New York when this is over, and we will see Girl from the North Country. And uh, this country, uh, once they let us back out of our houses. Remember when you were a kid and you were grounded? I was always grounded when I was a kid. Always grounded. You're grounded. You're grounded. What do you got that look in your face for? What are you looking like that? You're grounded. So that when I got out of the house, I was hell on wheels. And when we're able to get back out and do what we do, we are going to be hell on wheels. It's going to be a mighty good time. I want you to prepare yourself for that. This has been a shock. This has been a kick to the gut. This has been a, uh, uh, a shock to the system like nothing most of us have experienced in our life. Matter of fact, no one's experienced this in their life. Most of the world uh, a third of the world being on lockdown. Nobody has. What are the upsides? Very few. Okay? But they are a few. First off, my heart goes out to everybody who has lost their life to this. Then my heart goes out to everybody who's sick with it right now. And then my heart goes out to anybody who's lost a loved one. My heart goes out to anybody who's lost a job. Okay? I, my heart is going out to anybody who's lost a sleepless, had a sleepless night over this, which is all of you, which is all of us. We're venturing into the unknown. But we're going to do better. We're going to do better because you're going to do better. That's what Americans do. <clears throat> Americans act on their ideas. And when we're able to get out again and get around, we're going to act on all the ideas, all the good ideas <clears throat> that we've had during this. It has changed us, but it will change us for the better. Okay, I don't want to get too preachy here at Saturday night. It's not Sunday. By the way, I don't know if any of you are going to do a Sunday service tomorrow. I talked with a friend of mine uh, this morning. I left... Darn it, I left a piece of paper downstairs <clears throat> that has where his service will be. Um, you don't have to get it. Um, 
Brian Smith, a wonderful pastor and friend of mine in uh, Tempe, is doing a service online tomorrow. Uh, Shirley and I went there last Easter. Cheryl, that's where we were last Easter. We went to his, uh, <clears throat> his kind of mega church in uh, Tempe, and it was a wonderful service with hundreds of people. But he is uh, being uh, socially responsible and aware, and will be doing a service uh, online. As of course, and then my friend Trey Goodman, who's on here on a regular basis, uh, is the uh, director for a uh, service that's done in Scottsdale. So if you plan on going to church tomorrow, great. And I'm not a preacher, so I'm going to stop preaching. going to show you a couple albums. We're going to talk about some music. We're going to talk about some music. All right, so here we go. The first one, and I like this. Sometimes I've got a lot of records where it's not their big hit or what they're remembered for. So here's the first one. All right, everybody sees that? Everybody sees that? Okay, let me show it to you one more time. All right, show you one more time. YouTube, you can see it. Facebook Live, you can see it. And for the, you, those of you listening on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, I would tell you the title of the album is Shades of Deep Purple. Shades of Deep Purple. And this album, um, uh, it shows that the, uh, uh, the songs on the album are as followed. And the Address, Hush, One More Rainy Day, Prelude Happiness, I'm So Glad, Side 2, Mandrake Root, Help, Love Help Me, and Hey Joe. Now, what's interesting about this album are a few things. Um, that uh, I'm, so, I'm So Glad is a Skip James tune, so it's an old, old uh, uh, bluesy tune. Hey Joe, Hey Joe is listed as written by Deep Purple, but it's not. It's in public domain. Uh, we all know that song. Most of us know it from Jimi Hendrix. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum. But it is an ancient tune. Uh, the lineup at the time was Rod Evans, writes and sings. John Lard, writes, sings, and plays the organ. Keeper writes, sings, and plays bass guitar. Richie Blackmore writes and plays the lead guitar. And Ian Pace writes and plays the drums. That was the lineup for Shades of Deep Purple. And they had a really big hit off of this record. And the hit was Hush. Hush. Hush, I thought I heard calling my name now. Hush, hush, stole my heart, but I love her the same now. Bop, bop. So it was a, and the thing about the song was it was very jazzy with its opening on the, uh, on the organ. They were playing an organ. It was And then more uh, uh, other riffs coming in. A fantastic opening. The song was Hush. And then uh, the, uh, they're doing that. Then it goes, na, 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 na. Then another organ riff, and the song just takes off. Fantastic song. Big hit for them. It was not a jazz tune. It was written by a guy named Joe South. Joe South was primarily a record producer and uh, staff writer for, um, uh, I, don't, I forget for which uh, uh, record company, but he was, and... Uh, he had a big hit with uh, games people play. Talking about you and me and the games people play. Whoa, now I lose audience members every time I sing. Uh, it was his tune, okay? Uh, other people had done it, but they had taken a song written by a southern country boy that was kind of a southern country song and turned it into a jazz psychedelic pop tune, and it was just fantastic. Just fantastic. Big hit for them. What you should do is if you YouTube Deep Purple Playboy After Dark, 
you actually see them. Oh, okay. Uh, a new generation was introduced to that song in the movie Bad Times at the El Royale. There you go. Uh, a cool offbeat thing to do. I got to watch that movie now, Jer. Uh, is to Google Deep Purple, Playboy After Dark. They were a guest on U. Hefner's television show uh, back at that time, late 60s. And it's a bizarre piece of uh, uh, social history to look at. And you hear them play the song. But you also want to Google and listen to it. It was a hot tune. Now, that wasn't their biggest tune. They, were, they combined elements of uh, blues, pop, and jazz into their music that made them really, really, really unique. However, in 1972, in 1972, they came out with Smoke on the Water. Dun, 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 A primal, caveman-like rhythm that grabbed everybody and swept this nation and all of Europe by storm and became a mega hit and became a song by which they were, um, uh, by which they, they were, uh, that's what everybody thought they were. That's all you thought. Deep Purple, Smoke, that's what they were defined by. Okay, and Smoke on the Water is about the burning down of a record of a recording studio in Europe. That's what it's about. Uh, Paul Whitney says, Weird Al did Hey Joe in one of his pokers. Very good. Thank you, Eric, for the uh, compliment on the jacket. It is Saturday night, and we're going to dress up. So I urge you, uh, if you know Deep Purple from Smoke on the Water, and that's basically what most people know them from, dig a little deeper. Go a little further. Okay, come on now. Dig a little deeper. Go a little further. Get on in there. See what's in there. See what's in that oven. See what's cooking. And uh, listen to Hush from Shades of Deep Purple. If that, if that tickles your fancy, then listen to their, some of their other pre-smoke-on-the-water um, pre, uh, 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 music. <clears throat> All right. Now, our second album of the evening that we're going to talk about, unless anybody else has got any conversations they want to have here, our second album we're going to talk about is um, a big one. A lot of people think that this was his best album, and it came out um, almost a decade after he, a little over a decade after he had made his largest impact. Uh, this album I'm about to show you <clears throat> was by, made by a man who, um, uh, folk music was very popular. He had folk rock, right, and uh, wrote songs that changed the face of pop music and rock and roll and folk music when he was in his 20s. Later in life, in the 70s, after going through a lot of changes, including uh, being overwhelmed by his success, and then a terrible motorcycle accident, his writing and his style and uh, how he played changed several times. Matter of fact, on one album, he sang in a completely different voice. But this is the album that a lot of people consider his best album of all time. Let me show it to you. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about, of course, Bob Dylan. This is Bob. This is a Bob Dylan album. You see it there on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. You see it on Facebook Live. YouTube, Facebook Live, and this album is, of course, "Blood on the Tracks." Blood on the Tracks, and this is the album that contains some of the greatest love songs written uh, for the uh, Boomer generation. You know, you can't you can't deny Cole Porter and and uh, Richard Arlen and all the great songs of the Tin Pan Alley guys, the incredible love songs. But um, this album, when you put it on, touches you. It touches those parts of your spirit and soul 
that you may have forgotten or don't even realize you have or that even become even stronger. On side one, we have Tangled Up in Blue, uh, which is a fun little romp, okay, uh, about a guy who rambles through life. Simple Twist of Fate, about a lost relationship. You're a big girl now, also about a lost relationship. Idiot Win, an album that just shows incredible anger at someone who has hurt someone. Uh, and you're going to make me lonesome when you go. So uh, all those great love songs. On the other side, side two, is Meet Me in the Morning. Uh, if you see her, say hello, which will just tear at you. And then Shelter from the Storm and Buckets of Rain. And then, of course, a classic Bob Dylan thing, an incredibly long song that goes, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes. Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, where he mixes uh, poetry, imagery, and uh, mentions of mythical people and legends all in one and weaves a fantastical tale that uh, you just sit and become still and empty your mind and let the pictures flow into you, and it is stunning. Um, Tangled Up in Blue is one of the best songs I've ever heard. It's one of the best sir, sir, songs I've ever heard, as is Simple Twist of Fate. And if you have forgotten this music... And you listen to it. Like I said, this came out well after he, uh, uh, this is, he was like, oh, he wasn't quite forgotten. But by 74, a lot of stuff had happened. You know, between uh, his early uh, protest album, The Times They Are A-Changing, and then um, uh, Like a Rolling Stone, uh, then Highway 61 Revisited, and all those albums, a lot had changed. And Bob Dylan was not the dominant figure in uh, rock music that he had been. And when he came out with that, it was a mature Bob Dylan singing to an audience that had matured. It was a Bob Dylan who had been full of hope and idealism and anger, now full of angst, introspection, and empathy. So you want to go back and listen to the whole album, both sides, and you'll thank me if you do. You will love it. You will love it a lot. All right. Who else we got going here? Jim Perry just popped on. Hello, Jim. Uh, I got to mention some of the people watching right now, and I'm going to look and see. Uh, Jim Perry and uh, uh, Paul Whitney. I want to see who else. And uh, uh, Kevin Brown and DJ Payne. Uh, and who else who've been here with us? I'm looking to see who else. Um, all of those people, by the way, are going to be doing something very special April 17th. Uh, and you're going to be able to watch and you're going to be able to participate and something that's be kind of historic for us. We're doing our first Zoom stand-up comedy show, April 17th. It'll be on Zoom. If you want to watch, if you want to be in the Zoom audience to watch these uh, incredibly funny people, uh, boldly, and I mean boldly, man, because nobody knows that that's really going to work. But we know it's going to work. It's going to work because it's going to be fun. And that's all it is. We're dedicated to fun that night on April 17th. If you want to be in the audience, if you want to be in the virtual audience for the Zoom show, send me your email. Uh, a couple of you have already. Send me your email. I can, I can accommodate up to about uh, 80 people. Send me your email uh, on Facebook Messenger or email it to me, email it to me at comedyschools at hotmail.com or uh, you can leave it here, but sometimes uh, it'll get lost in the uh, plethora of com uh, comments. Those people will be doing that show April 17th and uh, it's going to be fun and we're looking forward to it. So we're offering a lot of stuff to you guys and we're offering a lot of stuff to you because... This is what we do. You know, the NBA and NFL, MLB, et cetera, soccer, uh, they're talking about playing in empty stadiums at first. People go, why would they do that? Because players got to play. 
you know, there's already been salary reductions in the NBA. Things have changed dramatically. They've lowered the salary cap in the NBA. Uh, the money that was going to be washing through the NBA, uh, it'll still be significant, significant, you know, compared to what any of us make. But uh, it will not be as significant as it was supposed to be. Okay, but they're going to play. You know why? Because players got to play. Players got to play. Jeffrey Taylor is watching. Talking about players. Great, great musician, Jeffrey Taylor. Uh, hello, Marcy. Um, they're talking about doing that. So why are we, we players, we simple players who walk upon your stage, why are we going to risk the possibility, why are we going to risk the possibility of something maybe not working? Why are we going to risk the possibility of people then being able to say, well, we watched it? Because that's not going to happen. It's going to be great. But why are we willing to risk it? Because we're players, and players got to play. You got to do what you got to do, folks. You got to do, you got to do the good things in your heart. You got to do the good things in your heart. And you know that. Hello, Jeff. How are you, pal? And I'm reaching out to you to tell you that. And that's why we're going to put on this show. Man, were we disheartened? God, yes. The entire entertainment industry. And by the way, when I talk entertainment industry, I'm not talking about celebrities. I'm not talking about famous people. I mean, they're human beings, too, who through uh, their talent and good fortune, etc., cetera, uh, maybe because of the genetic crap shoot and the way they look, uh, they're probably, unless they're sick, uh, and I hope they're not, are in better shape than we are in large homes and mansions and uh, a lot of their disposal. A lot of us are now living a day at a time, which is the only way you should live anyway, one day at a time. But when I talk about the entertainment industry, I'm talking about guys like Jeff Taylor. Okay, I'm talking about all my friends who are uh, retail comics, the ones that work cruise ships in the high seas and people who are incredibly funny. But for some reason, the industry passed on them. They go, oh, we're not going to make them a sitcom star. Oh, they're not going to be a movie star. Uh, it's not going to happen for them. But they were still funny and they were still talented. And that was their craft. And it is their craft. And they found other places to do it. They're, those places are gone. And they'll probably be the last to come back. As they reopen the economy, the first place that's going to open is not going to be uh, Uncle Bucky's Chuckle Hut out on Interstate 95. That'll be the last place to open. It'll be also be one of the last places a lot of people think about going to. I know that. And I don't blame you. So we're finding a way. We're finding a way to be able to do what's in our heart, do what's in our soul, do our craft, share our talent with you in a bold and audacious way. So... Send me your email so you can join. It's April 17th for the uh, ClassClownsComedySchools.com Zoom uh, comedy show. You'll enjoy it very, very much. Very, very much. We got that going on. Also, if you ever thought about doing comedy, oh, hold on. I like this guy right here. Uh, let's see if I can get him going. Okay. Let's get this going. There we go. Let's see. Yep. He won't do it. He won't do it. You got to set him down. <laughs> my little yellow guy is broken. I broke my little yellow guy. Uh, we have comedy workshops going on. If you're sitting at home, uh, flipping around on the bed going, what am I going to do? I'm so bored. I always thought I could be a writer. I always thought I could be a performer. We have, um, comedy workshops for you. Okay. All you got to do is write me here on messenger or at comedy schools at hotmail.com. I'll show you how to sign up. We're doing great zoom classes. Uh, you don't have to be in the room with a person to learn how to write. As a matter of fact, most writers are in rooms by themselves. So we'll show you how to write jokes. And we're also working on new ways to perform in the age of Zoom. Instead of learning first on a stage, and that's been a problem for a lot of comics for many years. They learn on the stage 
in live clubs. And then when you get on television, it's so foreign to them, it doesn't work. There's legendary stories of that. Uh, we're going to teach you how to be able to perform live on Zoom, live to your camera, and it goes out to hundreds and then thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. So those are things we have going on. You're sitting around going, I'd like to learn how to write jokes. And the cool thing, if I could, about writing jokes is uh, once you learn how to do it, you could do it on the run. You want to write a novel, you got to sit down and write for hours a day. You know, you're going to write a screenplay, you got to set aside all that time. As a joke writer, once you learn how to write jokes, once you learn that uh, format, once you learn that technique, once you open up that portal into your heart and mind and soul, the jokes will come to you as you're walking down the road. You'll be walking down the road, I got an idea for a joke. I got an idea for a joke. And you can write it down then. I wrote most of my acts driving around America in rental cars by myself with the radio off, just letting my mind run and going, ah, I got another idea, I got another idea, and pulling over and writing them down. Pulling them over and writing them down. So we've got those for you. Oh, now the guy's jumping, but nobody can see him. Ah, my little yellow guy. Here you go. This is my, uh, this is my co-host. This is, uh, this is my uh, co-host, uh, and we're going to call him, um, call him uh, Ray Ray. It's me and Ray Ray. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, Living on a Thin Line. This is our weekly show we do every day at 2 p.m., uh, oh, you were putting on a Bob Dylan book. Um, I don't think he's, no, he still can't see him. Still can't see him. Oh, uh, you know what? If I raised it up, yeah. Um, remember, you guys, tomorrow, oh, oh God, no, it, it's working, it's working. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's see if I get it. Hey, here we go, here we go. <laughs> okay, he's not the most, uh, he's not the most energetic guy. Look at the book she handed to me, by the way. Bob Dylan's Chronicles, uh, okay, volume one. He never wrote a volume two. So uh, we got a lot of Bob Dylan stuff around the house here. Uh, what time is it, Cheryl? 7.31. Folks, we're going to go. It's a half-hour show. We've, uh, we decided that we needed new routines in our life, as the routines that we had built our life around, me, you, everyone, uh, had begun to uh, go by the wayside uh, in order to keep ourselves sane, we have to have new routines. Figure out that time of day you take a walk. Do a little exercise, okay? Set a time for a meal. Do something new. Do something different. I know a lot of you are twice as busy as you were, as I have been for the last month, just putting your, putting your thing back together from, for goodness sakes. You know... They should have a change on the, uh, the SBA, the Small Business Administration. Instead of saying call times, uh, it, it, it may be longer. Call times may, may be longer than expected. Uh, wait times, it's wait times. Wait times could be longer than expected. You say wait times are way longer than any human being could possibly hang on hold. Uh, but as we have been trying to reconstruct our lives with supposed government help, you know, two and a half trillion dollars, two and a half trillion dollars. I applied for a loan uh, a week or so ago that I was encouraged to apply for. And part of it was a, uh, there's a $10,000 uh, emergency advance. I applied for it. They said you'd hear in three days. I have not heard a word, not heard a word. And then they changed the criteria for the loan. Two and a half trillion dollars, and they go, well, it's up to 10000 based on this. So I don't know if I'm going to get the loan or not. <clears throat> I'm not waiting on the federal government or the state government or the county. If there's help, I'm going uh, to get it there. 
but I'm not waiting on it because that $2.5 trillion, I don't know if a lot of us are going to see any of those dollar bills in our pockets. We're going to rebuild ourselves. That's what we're going to do. And I know a lot of you have been super busy doing that. A lot of you have been sitting around with nothing to do. Okay, and my heart goes out to both groups. But now you got to find something new to do. Think outside the box. Listen to music you've never listened to before. Listen to music you'll, oh, I never listened to that. Listen to it with an open, listen to it with open ears and open heart. Oh, I'd never watch that. Watch it with open eyes. Okay? Do something new. Take a class. Learn how to sing. Learn how to dance. Of course, I can dance. All right, folks. We're going to wrap it up for Saturday night. Thank you very much. I'll be back tomorrow, Sunday, in my regular black T-shirt. Uh, happy Easter to each and every one of you. Love you all. See you tomorrow afternoon. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick on Facebook Live, the YouTube channel Comedy Schools, and you can listen on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com every day, every day in every way until this is over. We're going to be here with you. Take care. Bye-bye.